0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, we have been in this series called Patterns, um, and I'm, I'm really, I'm loving this series, and I hope you are too. I hope that you're getting something from it. I believe that you are. And uh, we, we, we were talking about the pattern for our soul, and we're going to switch gears this morning, and we're going to talk about how God leads us, the pattern on how God leads us. Now, when we go into the Scripture, it's going to be called something, but I want to kind of break it down to the lowest common denominator. It's called, in the Bible, it's called being led by the Spirit, all right? But this is how God leads us, all right? How He chooses to lead us in our spirit. When you gave your life to Jesus, and if you haven't, then you are absolutely in the right place today. And this is not an accident that you're here. You are here for this reason Because God's love is for you, and He's inviting you to make a decision to turn your heart over, to take all of the the weightiness of sin that befalls every one of us, and just say, God, I want to make an exchange. I realize what Jesus did at the cross, that when He allowed His body to be broken and His blood to be shed, nobody took Jesus' life. Nobody executed Jesus. I know we all know the story but the scripture tells us that Jesus laid down his own life he did it because he loved you and when we make that exchange by faith and we step out and we say Jesus i need that i need that gift of love and that gift of grace that begins to heal my heart and removes my sin then we come into we come into salvation we come into that place of understanding and that takes place In our spirit, in our spirit, okay? Every person here has a spirit. Every person here, God has created you with the spirit, and he wants to lead you from that place. That's where you hear God, all right? Somebody say, well, Pastor, I don't know that I've ever heard God. Listen, I I, I can almost prove to you that you have. If you've ever opened up the Bible and something's resonated with you, when you read the Bible, you've heard God, all right? And your spirit is the seat at which God makes his home. So when we say things growing up like Jesus came into my heart, he didn't actually come into your heart with all your valves and that organ in your body. He came into your spirit and he made your spirit alive and you began to understand the purposes of God. So this morning as you began to worship and you maybe lifted your hands or clapped your hands or, or tears filled your eyes or something moved you, what was being moved in you? It was your spirit. That wasn't your emotions. You weren't just feeling funny. Don't push that down and go, oh, that's not how I'm supposed to act. No, that's God communicating to you and He's doing it in your spirit. That's where it's going to happen. And so He intends to lead us and He wants us to know His heart. So we're going to talk about that. And the reason why we're talking about patterns is because of this. When we go to the Word of God, we see God's great love letter, if you would, expressed to us in this idea of things that we should follow. Let me explain it to you like this. And my five kids, I love with all my heart, and I've got a ton of rules in my home. I'm not really a authoritarian. I'm not a hard-edged guy. I think I'm pretty awesome. Um, go ahead, guys. Confirm it. Um, wow. Anyhow, missed opportunity there. No, uh, no money for y'all this week. All right. And so... I have these rules, and and if you guys, if you're parents, you understand, you have rules in your home. But you know what? I don't want my kids obeying me or, or just thinking dad's just about rules. And the reason why I have rules is not just so my kids will obey. I want them to obey, but there is something behind the rules, aren't there? Right? Isn't there? There's something behind those rules. And what is it? It's my heart for my kids. I understand that these rules will help them grow. They'll help them to become the people that they were created to be. But what I really hope that it expresses, and this is the important thing to understand as we pursue this series and patterns and we look at the Bible. Oh, there you are, man. I'm sorry I didn't see you, dude. There's Michael. Michael's going to Honduras too. Raise your hand, Michael. All right, all right. I'm sorry, bud. I tell you, I don't see everybody when I look out here, it's the weirdest thing is that God wants us to understand His heart. He wants us to understand His heart, okay? And so... That is the purpose of looking at the Word of God. Why? Because we're not just looking at a book full of rules of do's and don'ts. That's nonsense, folks. Don't ever perceive the Bible as that way. That's not what the Bible's for. The Bible's there, and it's an expressly written love letter from God. Why? Because He knows you. He formed you. He formed you, Jeremiah 29, 11, with a plan, a purpose, a high purpose, things that are even better than you can even understand at certain times. And when we choose to say, God, I'm going to listen to this through the context that you love me, something marvelous happens, our life begins to be guided. And the reason why is this, because there's something that will always guide our life, isn't there? And maybe it's not an expressed rule, but maybe it's a feeling, maybe it's an experience. Maybe you're somebody who is just simply led day to day based off of the stuff that hits you on any given day. God wants you to be led by something better. He wants you to be led by his heart. And so as we look at the word of God this morning, we're going to see that. And this is important, and I hope you embrace this. So as we do this, let's just pray really quick and just invite the Holy Spirit to do what he does absolutely best, all right? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here as we come to your word. Let us uh, just see and, and let our hearts be opened up. Let our eyes see clearly what you're saying. That we could be a people who are led by your heart. Speak to us through your word today. Give us the ability to receive, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. I have got a love-hate relationship with Walmart. Anybody else have a love-hate relationship with Walmart? Um, I love Walmart because anything in the planet that I need, I can find at Walmart. I mean, seriously. As a matter of fact, I'm not often allowed to go to Walmart because... I come back with stuff that we don't need, but I just really think it's cool. You know what I'm saying? My wife's like, what what is this for? They had it. You just got to know. If you were there, you would understand. You would have picked it up. And she's like, no, I I wouldn't have. But I I hate Walmart, especially if I've been there several times a day, right? Anybody know the greeter there by first name basis? Sometimes I do. You know, hey, Bob, good to see you again. Yeah, you're back? Yeah, I'm back. All right. Don't talk about it, Bob. Yeah and i especially hate walmart at night because they close one door number 1 and it always confuses me and i always park on the wrong side thinking i'm getting a good parking spot and i end up having to walk you know and i'm like oh man come on and so that that's one thing and then inevitably there's only like one maybe two checkout lines open well the other night after a meeting here i My daughter texts me and she said, Dad, can you pick up some spray paint for a project I'm doing? I'm like, All right, you know, Lowe's is closed and there's no other place that will have it, so I'll go to Walmart. And I went to Walmart and I miraculously found the last two cans of this particular spray paint she needed. And I, I felt accomplished. I texted her the picture. I man, I was being thorough. I text her the picture, and I said, is this what you need, girl? And she's like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, yes, all right, mission accomplished, down. Let's go to the checkout line. And so I'm like, all right. I see the two lines that are open, and they're just jam-packed. There's three or four people in them. I'm like, no. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. There is something called a self-checkout lane at Walmart now. How about that, huh? All right. And so... I look over there, I'm like, there's, there's a few of those little things open. I'm like, hey, hey. So I roll over there and I go to scan my, my uh, spray paint. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, 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 uh. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. You need assistance. The screen pops up. You need assistance. I look around and guess what? There's nobody around, is there? Nobody's around. And so uh, you don't probably know me that well but I just start punching buttons. <laughs> like, override, let's go. Right? And so eventually it captures the attention of somebody nearby and she comes up to me and she grabs the spray paint. She just kind of does this maneuver to me, looks up at me like, okay. Well, I realized pretty quickly that you have to be a certain age to buy spray paint, right? You have to be at least 18 years old to buy spray paint. I didn't know that, right? And so, I'm looking at her like, do you believe I'm 18? <laughs> she just looks at me. She doesn't, like, verify anything, right? She doesn't ask for my license. And I'm a little offended, by the way. And she punches in a code, and then she goes, go ahead, scan it, boom. And so I scan the first one, put it in the bag. Well, I don't have one. I have two. And no sooner did that little angel of Walmart appear than she disappeared. And I scan the second one, and the screen comes back up again. And I'm like, ah, a different lady walks up and she looks at me. She does the same maneuver. She looks at me and gives me the look, I says, all right, are you all right? You're 18. She punches in the number. I scan out and I pay and I leave. And as I was walking out, kind of joking about it and deciding not to be upset about the scenario and just, look, just saying good, good night to the ladies that had helped me, thanking them, I just felt like the Lord just dropped something in my heart. So said, that's a lot like how we walk by the Spirit. How God leads us by the Spirit. And so here's, here's how. You say, well, I want, to, I want to hear you do this. This is going to be amazing, right? Well, this is, this is what happens for us. Is that God deposits something in our, gives us something to hold. The Holy Spirit gives us something to hold. And what He does because He's a good Father is this, is He doesn't just simply toss it over without understanding, without the things and the tools necessary for us to be able to handle what He's given us. See, what he does is this, the way he leads us is by us understanding in this this agreement, in this, this, this journey that he takes us on, that connects us into his purposes, because he doesn't just hand over everything that we need, but he hands over, listen to this, the very thing that we need in that moment. He doesn't pour out everything, and some of us say, well, wait a minute, isn't he the God that gives us all things? Yes, he does, but because he loves us, he gives us exactly the thing that we need in that moment and that place, and he makes sure, and he waits there, and he stays with us to make sure that we're able to handle that thing in our life. He doesn't deposit it and walk away. He doesn't just give it to us and say, hey, here is forgiveness, Andy. Andy. I know you're struggling with this, and you need to forgive. So here, I'm just going to deposit forgiveness and walk out the door. No, what he does is say, Andy, I want to lead you through forgiveness. And what I'm going to do is because I see that you're right here. And really right now, Andy, you're not able to handle the full measure of the place I want to take you in forgiveness. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take and I'm going to walk beside you side by side until you're able to handle this. And I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to pull it back from you. I'm a good father. I'm somebody who loves you. But I'm going to stay there right beside you until you are able to handle this. What about freedom? I know that there's folks here that have been in a place where you've struggled in personal areas of freedom. And you say, God, can't you just set me free? And the truth of the matter is, God has set you free. The Holy Spirit is setting you free. That is happening, but He is staying there right beside you. And the key to this is understanding, is don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated, but walk out the walk. Learn to walk by the heart of God. Learn to be led by the heart of God. Learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Because when we choose and we begin to recognize God's pattern, what happens is this, is that we will clearly begin to see the things that God is depositing in us, in our spirit, and we're going to begin to be able to walk with those things until they come into full maturity. All right, let's open up our Bibles, Galatians 5. We're going to read, start in verse 13. I'm going to give a little bit of context to Galatians here after we read this. Because this is a a very beautiful book that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. In verse 13 it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul here has written this letter. The Holy Spirit wrote this letter through Paul to a church that was struggling, trying to understand what was right according to the heart of God. As a matter of fact, they were in a deep conflict. They were in a place and some misunderstanding and some misguidance and some Uh, bad teachers had slipped into the church and they began to teach some of the Gentiles that in order for them to grab a hold of the love of God that they had to do certain things, that they had to do certain things that God wasn't requiring. And it began to fill the church and this struggle became very real for the church there in Galatia and they, and they, they, they fought about it. They began to turn on one another. They began to destroy one another. And not only were they biting on one another, but their hearts were in conflict. There was this tension that existed within their own heart. And so the Holy Spirit through Paul is bringing them back to this place of understanding of how God leads us by His heart, by His Spirit, and how we go about doing that. And there's a couple of important things that we need to see in this passage here when we begin to talk about what it means to be led by the Spirit. See, there's three things that I believe that this passage that we just read talks about concerning what it means to be led by the heart of God, to be led by the Spirit. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit draws us to is this understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Why do you need to be led by God's heart? Why in this world can't we just simply believe God is God and believe the Bible is real and just go on about our, our day and our way? Why does God earnestly desire to lead us almost side by side by His Spirit to guide us that way? Well, the the answer is very clear, and Paul talks about it here. And oftentimes we don't see it unless we're in a place of conflict in our own life, and our own thinking. And it's this, is that there are things at war within each and every one of us. And the way that Paul says it, is like, says it like this, he says, listen, there is the law of your flesh and then there's the law of your spirit at work. And they contradict one another. They fight with one another. They're at odds with one another. And so in order to have one that is greater, you're going to have to listen to one or the other. And we can all understand that, can't we? Because how many of us have been in a place, and we talked about it for the last three weeks of our understanding where maybe we're we're choosing to be led by something other than the Spirit of God when we know clearly what God is saying. We're choosing not to love even though we know God's Word says to love. We're choosing not to forgive even though we know His Word says to forgive. What are we being led by then, folks? What What are we following then? We're following the law of our flesh. And Paul here isn't talking about the flesh or epidermis or skin the cells in our, in our skin. He's talking about our heart of flesh. He's talking about something that is against God's purposes in us. And and listen, let me take it out of the context of just simply conflict, but let me take it into a bigger place, because Paul simply here was not just talking about getting through this conflict within the church of Galatia, he was calling them to a bigger purpose. And anytime God calls you to something big, there is going to be an argument between your flesh and the Spirit of God. Why? Because what God calls you to is always bigger than you. What God calls you to is always bigger than you. And it's going to scare, if I could say it like this, the pants off of you. And you're going to have to walk through some things. No matter if it's looking for redemption within your family and reconciliation with your family, or if it's moving out into the things God's called you to. He's saying, listen, it's time maybe to switch some things up in your life. It's time to take a big step. It's time to walk in that thing that I've deposited inside of you. How many of you believe that? How many of you guys believe that God calls us into things bigger than ourselves? I hope you do. I hope you do. Because if you don't, the Bible gets really, really boring because everybody in it basically was called to something bigger than themselves. And they face this very thing that the Holy Spirit was talking to in the church in Galatia here. And he's saying, listen, there's going to be two things warring at work in you. And you've got to decide what you're going to serve and what you're going to listen to and what is going to lead you. And the only way, folks, the only way that we begin to be led by the Holy Spirit and begin to be led by God's heart is understanding that the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us is more powerful than the work of our flesh. That the things that God has called you to, though they might be scary, come with more hope that is greater than the fear that your mind is running through your brain right now. That the reconciliation that comes through forgiveness and rebuilt relationships, though that seems scary, is greater than the pain of broken relationship. That the fear of stepping out and asking God for healing and clinging to that and asking God for the supernatural, the ability for God to do something powerful and the Holy Spirit to do something supernatural in you is so much greater than the fear of it not happening. See, there has to be a decision that's made. And God doesn't simply look at us and say, hey, what are you deciding? What he does is he deposits a measure of his power. And so here's what I'm going to tell you this morning, is that everything begins to make sense as we begin to invite God's presence into our life, as we begin to take that initial step that says, God, I want more of you. When we sing songs that say, God, you run after me, when we begin to lift up the name of God, when we begin to magnify that, it begins to make sense because what we're doing is inviting a measure of the Holy Spirit's power to begin to con- bring the truth that he is greater in us than the things that are coming against the spirit of truth in us. Does that make sense? And so here Paul says this, he says, listen, you're, you're, the, the flesh and the spirit, they're, they're a contradiction to one another. But here's what the spirit will do in us, is that it will produce life but the flesh is going to produce slavery. That if we choose not to allow the Holy Spirit's power to be seen in us and to come out and to be led by that, then what takes place is this, is that instead we're led by our flesh, which produces slavery. And then Paul brings them into another understanding that we see here. It's not just about the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's about the person of the Holy Spirit. It's about the person of the Holy Spirit. Like I said earlier, that the Holy Spirit is right beside us. And those of you like me that have grown up in a charismatic upbringing, a church all your life, sometimes we get the wrong understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is a person. I'm going to say that again the Holy Spirit is a person, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a ghost. It is not a sensing. It is not a mystical power. The Holy Spirit is a person. And why is that important? Because a lot of times we undermine the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the understanding. And and you got to listen to the language here. I don't want to just drop words on you, but I want you to see this, please. Is that here the Scripture is telling us, be led by the Spirit. What Spirit? Be led by the Holy Spirit. And when we don't have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, sometimes all we do is we just translate the Holy Spirit through a feeling. We say, well, listen, I can't be led by something I don't feel. But the second we come into the understanding, the biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is as a person, then what we realize is certainly as somebody were to walk beside me, step in step, the Holy Spirit is walking beside you. And he desires that type of relationship. He desires that type of communion. He desires that type of interaction. That the Holy Spirit is a person who walks right in stride beside you, leading us, empowering us with the truth of Jesus. So what does the Holy Spirit do as a person? What does the Holy Spirit do as a person to lead us? He begins to testify of the truth of Jesus Christ inside of every one of us. Why is that important? Because we understand this, that in order to be led by God's heart, we have to understand how his heart affects our identity. See, this is something, going back to the understanding of my kids, is that I want them to understand this, that more than my rules, more more than the things that I say to them, I want them to know that my heart and my love for them, and how that begins to shape who they are. And see, if we're going to be a people who are led by the Spirit of God, then the thing that we have to understand, the thing that we have to know, and the work of the Holy Spirit that we have got to agree with, that we've got to look at the Bible and we've got to grab a hold and we've got to anchor ourselves in this truth, is this is that as the Holy Spirit, as a person, walks side by side with us, He is continually testifying of our identity in Jesus Christ. He is continually testifying of our position in Jesus Christ. That because Jesus Christ overcame, we overcome also. How does that begin to shape and reshape your thinking about the things God has called you to? How does that begin to give you a sense of authority and a sense of life? How does that renew life inside of you? It should do something tremendous in every one of us. Because the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, and this is why this is being led by the Spirit, is this continual reminder, day in and day out, every second of every day, of the love of Jesus for us, the position that Jesus has given us in heaven. How many of you guys, listen, I don't want want to just preach the whole Bible through and through here, but how many of you understand where Jesus is seated? Do you understand that Jesus is not in the tomb anymore? He's not on the cross anymore, that he's at the right hand of the Father. And because he's at the right hand of the Father, you guys know that the right hand is a position of authority, right? You understand that. Do you know what he's doing there? Do you know what Jesus is doing at the right hand of the Father? The Scripture tells us that he is interceding for every one of us. What does that mean? It means that he is continually bringing my name up before the Father, He is continually saying, Father, I want you to see Andy. I want you to see how his life is impacted with the revelation of your love. I want you to see how he acknowledges your identity in his life. I want you to see the things that you are calling to and how he is waking up to those things. I want you to see that the fullness of your kingdom is becoming enlarged inside of him. And I want you to give every resource that you have in heaven that you have in heaven to him. And the father looks at the son because he's pleased in the son. And he says, everything that I have is going to Andy right now, is going to every one of you. And the Holy Spirit takes that and says, Andy, I want you to know, good news, communication just came from heaven. Everything that heaven has for what God's called you to is right here, buddy. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Everything you need to be free, the Father's already given to you. Just step into it, man. It's yours. And this is what happens. And so when Paul talks about life by the Spirit, he's not just saying, hey, take a couple of good ideas and put them on your mirror and look at them every day so you don't forget. You know, that's, that's really nice. You can do that. That's not a bad thing to do. But life by the Spirit is so much more. Being led by the heart of God is so much more. And so when we acknowledge the personhood of the Holy Spirit, what takes place is this understanding becomes alive inside of us. And it empowers us to walk out the truth of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you this, that there is a difference between understanding truth and lived out truth. There is a difference And the personhood of the Holy Spirit does this in us. Not only does He remind us of the truth of God's Word and the truth of Jesus Christ, but He empowers us through who He is to live these things out. To act these things out. To become the things that God is calling us to. See, if I could say it like this. That more than understanding the love of God, God wants you to become His love. That more than understanding the peace of God, God wants you to become His peace. What's the difference, Pastor? Because somebody who becomes, through the Holy Spirit, what God is speaking, it becomes bigger than who they are. Have you ever been around somebody who's peaceful? Have you ever been in a, in, a, in a troubling situation and you're like, you're just your mind is wrecked and your, your heart is wrecked? And you just walk into somebody's presence, somebody that you trust, somebody that you know walks with the Lord, and you sit down and you're like, I don't know what to do. And they begin to just talk or they begin to love you. You don't even know what they're saying, but all of a sudden you feel peace. You know what you're experiencing? You're experiencing somebody who has become, the Holy Spirit has caused them to become, that which God has put inside of them. And God wants that for every one of us. And this is what life by the Spirit means. And I hope you catch this. Because God is not trying to band-aid the situations of your life with a little bit of a pickup phrase or a a kind phrase or a, a cheerful phrase. God is trying and is desperately interested to conform you into the image of His Son so that you become like Jesus on this world. And the only way that happens is when we choose to be led by His heart and be led by the Spirit of God. And it's only when we begin to acknowledge the personhood of the Holy Spirit and begin to listen to Him, and begin to understand that He's right beside us, and we stop and we begin to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me the truth of heaven, the truth of Jesus, the truth of Your Word? Would you begin to deposit that in me so that I could become that thing? Would you begin to empower me to become that thing? That you were putting inside of me. But then we see here that there's one more thing, and it's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And here, Paul writes two important things that are kind of interesting. Is that he writes about two particular fruit that take place as we begin to be led by the Holy Spirit. And those are freedom and love. Freedom and love. And he says this: he says, Listen, you're called to be free. You're called to be free. And the first fruit that the Holy Spirit begins to birth in our life as we choose to be led by the Holy Spirit is freedom. The Holy Spirit begins to birth the fruit of freedom inside of us. The freedom to understand and to know we are freely loved by God. The freedom to know and understand that there is nothing, not sin, not condemnation, not our yesterday, not our past, that holds us down. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit produces freedom first. Because freedom begins to break the stronghold of our flesh. And expressly as it pertains to this idea that there are two things and only two things that are in conflict inside of you the law of your flesh and the law of the Spirit, freedom becomes a necessity because the law of your flesh brings you into slavery. In order for the Spirit of God to begin to accurately testify as to who you are and your identity, freedom must occur. And the freedom of God does this. It breaks every stronghold. It breaks every lie, every bit of condemnation. And it moves us into the abundance of the love of Christ. And the reason why freedom and love go hand in hand is because it's God's purpose as the loving Father, as the one who pursues us, to bring us into the knowledge of His love. To bring us into the knowledge of His love. And Paul writes it like this, again going back to Galatians 5, and he says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that just kind of funny? When it comes to this idea of being led by the Spirit, that God would choose to include these two things, that first we have to understand that we've been called to freedom, but the very next thing is that we begin to love our neighbor as ourself. Why? Because there's no greater proof that the love of God exists in us than when we choose to love somebody else. Growing up, I, lived, I grew up in a city called Laurel, Maryland, right in the middle between Baltimore and Washington, D.C. And I lived on a street called Engelman Drive when I was in middle school up until when I left for Bible school. My next-door neighbor was... a Young 20-something-year-old, there was a family that lived, but they had a son who was in his 20s. His name was Richie. And Richie had a mental disorder. And every once in a while, Richie was the neighborhood um, scary guy because he would take off his shirt and he would begin to run around the neighborhood and air punch and scream and scream. He'd run around. There. Our, our, my neighborhood was a giant loop with about probably 60 houses in it. And he would run around the neighborhood, and, and you, could, you could just, like, clockwork. Whenever Richie came out and he was having one of these, uh, these things going on in his heart and his mind, that the, the kids in the neighborhood would just clear out. And we were a neighborhood that we played everything outside. Like, we didn't, there were no Xboxes, Nintendos. We did have Atari, but, oh, man, that was old school. And so, man, any sport we had, we played hockey up there, street hockey, basketball, football, wiffle ball. You don't know what wiffle ball is, kids you are missing out on something. It's awesome. And so we would be out there and if, if Richie came out, it was like the gong went off and everybody knew, kids come inside. And so for a few years this happened when I was in high school, I began to watch Richie. And I remember as a, as a, as a high schooler, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying that I was passionately in love with Jesus, but I knew about the love of Jesus and I loved Jesus. And all of a sudden one day I just walked out there and I just said, hey Richie, How you doing, man? And he just settled down. He just walked up to me. We had a conversation. And went on our way. He went in his house. I went in my house. The next time it happened, I walked out there again. I said, hey, man. Hey, Richie. What's going on? How you doing? We just talked. And all I could do, nothing spiritual, but all I could do was just love him. Just love him be a reflection of love to him. It wasn't a few years after that. That Richie took his life. He took his life. And I remember his parents came to my house. And they looked at my parents. And my mom told me this. Said listen. Richie's parents came to our house. And they told us what Richie had taken his life. But they wanted to thank you. For loving Richie. And being a reflection of love to Richie. And it always stuck out in his heart that somebody loved him. Why am I telling you this? Because there's something very powerful about the idea that when God calls us to be led by his spirit, that he connects this idea of freedom and love hand in hand. Let me say it like this to you. In Hebrew literature, there's three ways to pray. There's three positions and postures of prayer. The first is this as a child to a parent. And that posture of prayer says this, God, I need. I need you. Just the same way that a child comes to a parent and says, I need you, I need you, I need money, I need something, I need food, I need resource, I need life, I need protection. But the second posture is this from a wife to a husband. And that posture says this, what pleases your heart? I want to please your heart. I want to please your heart. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. What makes you happy? What pleases you? The third posture is this, and it's an attitude of the heart, not an example of the posture we have with God, but it's an attitude of the heart, and it's that of a husband to a wife. And that posture is the one we're the least familiar with, and it says this. It says, God, we want to protect your heart. We want to protect your heart. Well, some of you say, Well, how can I protect God's heart? Isn't He mightier than me? No, the very truth of this is so true that God's heart can be offended and it can be broken. And he doesn't control us to the place where he does not allow us to break or offend his heart. But he gives us the option to reciprocate the love that he's given to us so that we can protect his heart. And how do we protect the heart of God? When we choose to love the things that he loves. And the reason why... I believe Paul connects this idea of freedom and love hand in hand is because he brings us to the opportunity of saying the two clearest things that the Holy Spirit wants to deposit inside of us is this, the freedom that brings us into the understanding that we are everything that God has called us to be and the ability to love what God loves. And by doing so, we fulfill the law of the Spirit. God gives us the ability to love what he loves to begin to bear the fruit of love through the holy spirit and 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 if i could say this one thing to us today and and just please Forgive me if this is offensive in any way. I'm not trying to make this offensive. But if we see anything at all that is needed in our land today, it is this understanding that maybe possibly we move past some things that are politically guided and we begin to look into the heart of God and say, what do you love? And who do you love? And if we can be led by your Spirit to understand the thing that will set people free is the very heart of God, but they must be loved with the power of God the way that God loves them. As we begin to embody that, it begins to come out from us. Let me close this message really quickly with this. You can come up, Justin. Is how do we begin to take these steps? The very first thing we need to do is believe. 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 Romans 8, 1 through 4 says this There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. We have to believe. We have to believe. And the question is very simple. This is such a simple question and such a simple application. When it comes to being led by the Spirit, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that He has made you free? Does you, do you believe that He has called you into freedom? Do you believe that God has struck down condemnation in your behalf? See, because until you believe that, you won't be able to take hold of the truth of what He is speaking to you, the truth of His love, the truth of His identity? Do you believe that the sacrifice of Jesus condemns sin in the flesh? That things like fear that are attached to sin, things like anxiety that are attached to sin, folks, I know they sit in the seat of our soul. I'm not blasting anybody that's struggling with that. That's not my intent or my heart. But at some time, at some point, in order for our souls to be healed, our spirits have to take the lead. And the only way for our spirit to take the lead is that we believe that the work of Jesus Christ overcame the work of the flesh. And that the things that are attached to the work of the flesh are sinful. But Jesus came and he destroyed those things, he condemned those things in the flesh. So that the Holy Spirit could forever be made alive inside of us. Do you believe that? I'm not asking you if you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you've got your fire insurance taken care of. What I'm asking you is that do you believe that the Holy Spirit is working in you right now. Is right beside you. The power of the Holy Spirit. That He is right beside you. And that He is the greater one in you. That he is the confirmation of the life of God in you, that he is the confirmation that sin has been defeated in your behalf, that he is the confirmation that every promise of God is for you. Do you believe that? The second one is this there's things that you need to set in your thinking, and things that you need to forget in your thinking. In Romans 8, 5 and 6, it says this: those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh, what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You have to understand that there's things you have to set your mind on. That even though the Spirit of God is working at work in our spirit, you have to set your mind on things. You have to establish your thinking and let them be established. And the things that you've been holding on to that have not been established in the life of God and the Spirit of God, you have to let go. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to rid you of those things, to begin to destroy those things, to begin to remove those things. One of the best ways that we can do that is by remembering what God has done in us. Remembering what God has done in us. It's funny, this morning, um, I'm, I'm in my office and my phone pops up and Google, who is the fourth part of the Trinity, comes up on my phone and says, hey, can you tell me about your experience at this restaurant you just went to? I'm like, yeah, that happened a few days ago, bro. Like, what? How did you know? Like, And Google's like, because I follow you. Like, I'm in your pocket and I know you. And I'm like... What Google? And so I opened it up and, like, give it a rating. What did you think? Was it good? It's like asking me these questions Was it good? How many stars would you get? What about the atmosphere? Hey, would you recommend this to anybody else? I'm like, man, you you know me, Google. Yes, yes, and yes. All right. Thanks. I'm like, how amazing is that? But you know, the Holy Spirit comes and he reminds us of things, doesn't he? He reminds us of things. And he goes, Andy, do you remember when I I did this in your life? Do you remember when I set you free here? Do you remember when I came through and I provided this for you here? Do you remember that? Hey, Andy, what was that like? Andy, would you recommend that to anybody? Andy, would you begin to think on that? Andy, would you begin to tell people about the things that I've done in your life? You know what's so amazing about the Bible and the continuity of the Bible? I want to to share this with you. Because the same supernatural God that split the Red Sea and caused the Israelites to walk over on dry ground performs something supernatural, performs supernatural things inside of you. And so when you read the testimony in the Bible, what God intends for it to do is to say, Hey, do you remember what I did for you guys then? I'm still doing it. And I'm still doing it in your life. Do you remember how I loved my people then and I loved you like this just recently? And part of the way that we begin to set our minds on the right things is by understanding and asking the Holy Spirit, whether you journal it, whether you write it down, whether you ask somebody, or you simply just ask the Holy Spirit to do it, is to remember the things that God has done. And then finally, invite and trust his power. Romans 8, 9, and 11. says, You, however, are not of the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. And the biggest part of being led by the Spirit, of being led by the heart of God, is every day making a commitment to invite and trust His power. Why? Because His power is working in you. But that invitation requires this, to say, God, begin to open my eyes up. Begin to direct my eyes to this place. Help me to see. Help me to know. Help me to understand Your power at work in me. As certainly as You raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and that Spirit that rose him from the dead dwells in me, help me to see it. Help it to heal my body. Help it to heal my soul. Help it to heal my spirit. Help it to bring life to my body. Help it to bring life to my soul. Help it to bring life to my spirit. Help it to give me the courage to go to the places you have called me to, to say the things you have asked me to say. Let it empower me. I am inviting you, Holy Spirit, to empower me to do the things you have called me to do. And I promise you that if that becomes your prayer, not only will you begin to see and know and feel and hear the Holy Spirit speak to you and begin to be led by the heart of God, you're going to see the power of God show up in your life like never, like never before. What if this week we did that? What if this week our prayer became this? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us and begin to deposit the revelation of your freedom? Lead us by your freedom and lead us by your love. Invite you to stand up. I have some of my elders and ministry teams come on up for ministry this morning, as we close. I want us just to take a second before we leave, and I want us just to possibly make an altar at our chair and invite the Holy Spirit to begin to lead us, to begin to speak to us. I'm going to pray in just a second. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to every one of us, to speak a word of love, a word of peace, a word of freedom. And this morning, as we close, I want to just again invite you that if you need something today, if you need prayer, if you need ministry, if you need somebody to come into agreement with you for the healing of your physical body, then we want to pray with you. See, what if we just begin to believe God that for... Every need he had an answer for. That every need he was leading us. If, if, if I were to say it like that, that anybody here who had a need that would come up in faith, that we would believe that God would touch and would begin to meet that need, it would begin to change, wouldn't it? I want to tell you this story really quick before I pray. When I was at Christ for the Nations, I went to on a mission trip to Brazil. Bela Belo Horizonte, Brazil. And our little team of leaders came, students came, and we ministered. I'm actually ministered. Um, we ministered beside a guy named T.L. Osborne. Grant is actually his nephew, Gary Osborne. T.L. Osborne was uh, just a, a, an amazing, amazing signs and wonder guy. Traveled all throughout the world bringing the name of Jesus. Seeing God and the Holy Spirit show up in power. Touching lives. And we ministered out on the streets. During their carnival season. We ministered in the ghettos and the slums. Where there was no water. It was just squatters all over. And we ministered in this church one Sunday. And probably the most fantastic move of the Holy Spirit that I've ever seen was this. Was after we got done speaking. After Gary Osborne got done speaking. He had the team come on up, and the translator just said, invited everybody who wanted prayer, anybody who wanted prayer, to come and receive prayer. And what happened next amazed me is that not one person turned to the door, but every person came up. Every person came up. And I want to tell you something that happened in that little Baptist church. In Belo Horizonte, Brazil, with about 100 people in it, as everybody came up, is that God began to open eyes. God began to set those who were demonically possessed free. God began to heal hearts. People were bringing up pictures of their family members and saying, will you pray for them? Will you touch them? And God was moving. People were weeping. People were crying. People were even doing things that we don't talk about a lot. They were falling out under the power of the Holy Spirit. Nobody was catching them. But I want to tell you something. Listen, That wasn't a testimony of the team. That wasn't a testimony of the message. It was a testimony of an agreement between the truth of what the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is and some hearts that were hungry. And I want to tell you this, that God is not a respecter of a city, a country, a place, or a time. But He is still moving today. And that can add any fire or courage to believe that what happens here is not an exchange between two people and you, but between the Holy Spirit, a God who loves you and forever wants to seal His identity and His power in you. That could absolutely change your life in one moment, and He can, and He can, and He will in one moment change your life. If that agreement can be made, we'd watch the Holy Spirit do some amazing things. Let me pray for you them and invite you to come up. Father, I thank you today that you lead us by your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. Holy Spirit, to touch, to speak, to move in every person's life powerfully, mightily. Holy Spirit, lead us. Lead us, lead us. Draw us into the understanding of who you are. Draw us into the understanding of the identity of the Father. Draw us into the understanding of the freedom of the Son. Draw us into the understanding of the great love that you have for us. That heals us, that sets us free, that brings us into new life, we pray. Amen. 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 If you need ministry at this time, please come forward. Please don't stop. Please don't hesitate. Please come forward. If you need to do business with God, do it at your chair. If you need to leave, we love you. We look forward to seeing you Wednesday.